Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. If you use a smart speaker, you can always ask Alexa to enable the SOS radio skill. The world we live in, it's so crazy, and it's hard to keep hope sometimes. Every time you turn on the news, it's just like it stresses you out. You realize you're not in control. We're talking with Max Lucado today at SOS Radio. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's certainly good to connect with you again. It's funny because, you know, every time we're turning on anything, you're picking up your phone first thing in the morning, you're having a good morning so far, and then it's just like everything derails it. When you get your news feed, you turn on the TV, and it's like everybody's arguing. You know, you think about, like, how God's created us in this world we live in. I think that should give us some hope when it's like you're created for such a time as this, Max. Well, that's certainly the message of the story of Esther, and that's the theme of this book exploring that great story out of the Old Testament, and that is that we're placed on purpose, with a purpose, in the time and place in which we live. And if God has ordained that we be here, he'll give us what we need to thrive here. But you're right. These are crazy, wacko days. People are worried. They're wounded. They're weary. They're angry. They're hostile. It's digging deep for hope is harder, I think, than it used to be. Yeah, and I think the thing that encourages me most is the story reminds us that we were actually created for the time that we live in. It's like, I wasn't created to live in 1776 or, you know, the year 320 AD, although I would have loved to have been around listening to the Council of Nicaea and seeing all the arguing that was going on there. (laughs) (laughs) That was a strategic time for sure. Yeah, all our days were determined before one of them came to be. And so it doesn't help, doesn't advance the cause, and it certainly doesn't bring us more peace to assume that we'd rather have lived another time. It's better to say, okay, God placed me here, and he also placed me in this time, but also in this place. He determined the boundaries of my life uh, long before I was ever born. So he must have equipped me with what I need to face this challenge. And that that was the message Mordecai gave to Esther. But who knows, but that you were placed in the kingdom for such a time as this. I think a lot of us haven't felt like we really fit in with this crazy world that we're living in right now. We're talking about that with Max Lucado today at SWS Radio. We're talking about the Old Testament book of Esther. And Max, she was a queen. She was in Persia. She was a queen of Jewish descent and was living in this land that wasn't her typical home. And God knew exactly what he was doing and placing her there for such a time as that and for a very specific purpose. And even though Esther was the wife of the king, it didn't mean that she was protected from everything, which she actually took a stand for what she felt was right. She was sort of risking everything to step up and use her voice. It was a weird time. Fifth century BC, Persia, the empire was twice the size of the United States. It comprised half the population of the world. The king, a man by the name of Xerxes, was rich beyond imagination. In the book of Esther, he's really more of a drinker than he is a thinker. There's no profound words attributed to him. In fact, it seems like you can just kind of suggest a Holocaust and he'll agree to it, which is what he did. His right-hand man, Haman, the name sounds like Hangman because he is all about death. He's an ancient version of Hitler. He had an anti-Semitic streak in him that traced back in his ancestry centuries, and he set out to destroy the Jewish people. But as you pointed out, the queen was a Jew. 
although she had never disclosed this, can only imagine how many laws of the Torah she had to violate in order to marry a king, sleep with a king, become a queen of a pagan nation. But she did. And so did her uncle, her uncle Mordecai, who was that part of the inner circle, uh, lived in the citadel, uh, part of the inner circle of the king. So initially, Mordecai and Esther are those people who have assimilated into the culture rather than challenging the culture or influencing the culture. Ultimately, they become the heroes of the story. But initially, you know, we shake our heads and say, wait, what are you doing here? Keeping the fact that you're Jewish a secret. It's so interesting when we think about the times that we live in, we think about the circle of influence that God gives us. And it's funny because you see that at the end of your life, but when you're walking through it, a lot of times you just feel like, why am I here? What am I doing? Maybe it's the job or the neighborhood you're in or the place you're in. And I mean, we've walked through a couple of strange years. And I think so many Christians are just thinking like, what's going on in this world? And where, where do I even fit in in all this? What's the story of Esther challenged you to think about, Max? I love the story of Esther. I love it for a lot of reasons. But one reason that it's especially appropriate is that it describes God guiding people through a time of, we could call it global uncertainty, global conflict. Seems like anxiety was on every corner. I mean, imagine if you're a Jewish person in the land of Persia, not Queen Esther, not Mordecai, but you're really relegated to nothing more than a fleck of dandruff on the robe of King Xerxes. They're marginalized people. The Jewish people are huge to us because we follow them throughout scripture. But if you're a pagan in Persia, you could care less about these dispersed people. And I don't care if they're going to be killed. That's okay. We don't need them. And it's just, they were small, small, small people. And there are times in our lives that we feel like we're very small We feel like we're outnumbered. We feel like we're outmaneuvered. We feel like we're outdone. I think the pandemic has caused that in us. You know, I mean, look at this tiny microscopic virus. It brought the whole world to its knees. It took months for us to find a vaccine. And then once we had a vaccine, we're arguing about whether we should take the vaccine. There's uh, hostility on in every street and sometimes in every home. Like you say, it's a tough time. I think Esther's story helps us to believe that God is not silent. He's not absent and that we can, like Mordecai and Esther, move from, you know, being clandestine about our convictions to really being sources of hope. Mordecai and Esther truly became the moral leaders for the Jewish people because they did step out in faith. You know, it's so interesting in our culture, we think about freedom and we want to make sure we're protecting our freedom, we're leading our freedom, we're living out our freedom. And as Christ followers, freedom takes on a little bit of a different tone when we understand that we're following Jesus and the freedom that we have is to live in Christ. It's not freedom for me to do whatever I want. And we're talking with Max Lucado today at SWS Radio. And when you look at the state of where our culture is, I mean, you've lived and taught through many decades here in our crazy world and back in the 
60s and 70s, it was kind of crazy. The 80s got pretty plastic and looked kind of crazy. And you're thinking about the Soviet Union and the Berlin Wall and the Cold War and things leading up to all of that. And then we get in the 90s, 2000s, Y2K, and then you look at where we are in 2021 and just the craziness of the social issues and the dissension that we're all living through as Jesus followers. Max, what have you learned about keeping hope through all of that when you can look at where, where hope really comes from? Well, I think fear can make tyrants out of all of us. It can turn us against one another. I'm a bit sad when I read about churches that are arguing, uh, caught up in the tension of this day and age, unable to gather around the Lord's table in unity, when the fact of the matter is what we have in common is so far greater than anything that might divide us. Uh, But we're finding that very difficult. And I think it's because of fear. I I just think there's much fear out there, justifiably so. It's a scary time. I mean, good grief. It's not been that long since we never saw anyone wearing a mask who wasn't in a hospital operating room. And and now we our kids are going off to school wearing masks here at our church in San Antonio. We have many people coming to worship wearing masks. We have even more people still afraid to come to church. So it's a, there's a lot of fear out there. May the Lord help us to inhale his presence, to inhale faith into our lives and to really dig deep and take a stand upon the promises of God that he's going to walk us through everything that we face. We're talking with Max Lucado on SWS Radio. I know it's been a challenging season that we've been living through. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of people that stopped going to church for whatever reason years ago. Then you have the pandemic and all the division that's come out of that. And then the fear that's come out of that. But being in community, it can be messy, right? Because we're all flawed people and we're just trying to worship and serve God. But when we're doing community, yeah, it gets messy. You know, what have you learned about healing from church? When people say like, I got hurt at church. I don't ever want to go back there. You're missing out. Yeah, I got hurt at church too. Who has not gotten hurt at church? Who has not taken offense at what the pastor said? (laughs) Who has not been turned off by somebody who uses church for self-promotion? I get that. I get that. That's part of life. But you know what? I've been turned off by doctors. I still go to a doctor, though. I find a good one right? I've been turned off by authors, but I still read books. I find a good author and read. So I don't let the inadequacies of other realms of life keep me from benefiting from that realm of life. People who say, you know, I got hurt by the church and I'm never going back. I, to be honest, I don't give that a lot of traction. That doesn't get very far with me. I say, well, then let's work it through. And if you got hurt at the church where I pastor, I'm very, very sorry. And if we can't make amends, I'll help you find another church. But we need one another. We need one another. Now, the challenge is we have this mindset that says the church needs to feed me. How many times have I heard that? That I don't, I'm not feeling <laughs> fed here at the church. And everything inside of me wants to rise up and say, hey, you quit being fed when you're a baby. That's baby language. Somebody feed me. We participate in church life because we can bless other people. It's an unselfish thing. God help us walk into a church or walk into a Bible study or walk into any type of gathering. Who, who can I help here today rather than who can help me today? And so it's, it's a challenge that we have to overcome, but it's absolutely essential that we connect with other Christians because somebody needs what you have. 
Somebody needs what you have, and you're there to give it. There's joy in the house of the Lord. That's Phil Wickham's latest on Eskimos Radio. Maybe you've been involved in a church community where you felt hurt and you didn't feel that joy like Phil's singing about in that song from his church community. I mean, there's healthy community, and then there's other times where, yeah, maybe you felt manipulated, maybe you felt like a little bit oppressed, or maybe you grew up in something that was a little more legalistic and you pushed back and rebelled a little bit. Well, we're talking about what we do with that with Max Lucado on Eskimos Radio. Max, what do you suggest for someone who's been hurt by somebody in the church or something that legalism just got out of bounds? I mean, you have pastored for decades. I mean, there's real things that happen when we're struggling and we want to get plugged back in because community, it's messy sometimes. Yeah, it is. And it takes initiative, right? It's not like going to a movie theater where we sit down and just say, entertain me, bring me some popcorn. (laughs) Uh, Community is messy. It is. It's part of discipleship, though, right? I mean, it, it is. It's part of discipleship. I was raised in a family of four kids. And whether I wanted to claim my big brother as my big brother, I didn't get that vote. I mean, he's going to be at the table. There were times I did not want him at the same dinner table. I didn't get that vote. God is the one who determines who comes to his table. And so my job is to do my best to love you. And yours is to do your best to love me. Now, we may not like each other, but we can love each other. We can treat each other with dignity and respect. And you make a good point. Sometimes we have a a sincere difference with people on a doctrinal basis. I've had people in our church. I've been at the same church since 1988. So many years, you're bound to have some people, you know, who are going to wish you taught more on this or less on that. And I so value the few who have come to me and said, okay, here's where you and I differ. And we will talk it through. And there have been a couple of occasions where they showed me that I was wrong. There've been a couple of occasions where I didn't feel I was wrong. There have been a couple of occasions where we talked it through and that people are still great members of our church today. And then there's a couple, I can think of specific stories where that person said, okay, I'm going across town to a different church and I've God bless them. I love them because we went through the right process. What is troubling is for a person to just, you know, go missing in action and you never know, did I offend them or did we misspeak? So if somebody's going through that, you know, respect your pastor, respect your leaders, go to them with your concerns and questions and let, let the Lord either lead you to someone else or bring healing where you are. We're talking about how we learn to trust God, who he is, what his heart says, where the promises are in his word. And then there's the principles. And it's so interesting. We're talking with Max Lucado today at Eskwis Radio. And a lot of times in the church community, we talk about like, oh, these are the promises of God. And it's almost like, okay, there's things that we want to hold up over God's head saying, you said this and I'm holding you to this. Now, there's things that are straight up that God says, I promise this. And we can own that. But there's a lot of things I think we confuse sometimes that are actually principles of God, but we don't understand that they're not promises of God because they were written for a certain group of people at a certain time or a certain context. And Max, how have you learned to sort of discern that when, you know, a lot of times we just say like, this is God's promise and I'm pulling out a scripture and I'm claiming this is my own. That's great. But reading the context, I think, teaches us a little more about what he's saying more than about what I'm applying. (laughs) Well, that is a huge question. This weekend, I'm teaching, we're working our way through the story of Jacob in our church. And this weekend, 
we are in that section of scripture right after the stairway to heaven. You know how he's out in the wilderness. He's on his way. He's running away from his family. He's on that 550 mile hike from his uh, land up to the land of Laban, where the story takes on another. And so he has this image, this dream of a ladder between him and earth. And it's all grace. It's all grace. Jacob thus far has done nothing but slimy stuff. He tricked his brother. He played his dad like a $2 fiddle. He's working the system. He's running away like a fugitive. There's been no presence or implication of prayer, no reference to God. So he is not the hero here. God gives him this vision. But look what he does next. The next thing, and this is where my focus is on Sunday, and that's why it's on my mind. Forgive me. But he says, if you will take care of me, if you will bless me, then I will make you my God. It's just the most bizarre thing. He's got this transactional mindset that, okay, you're going to bless me. If you do this, then I will give you my tithe. I will make you my God. As if God needs Jacob. (laughs) As if God needs Jacob's money. But brother, I've done the same thing. I've done the same thing. And I'm going to share the story of when I was a missionary in Brazil and my dad was dying of ALS and I came back to the States and my dad was just worse. And I went out in the country. I grew up in a small West Texas town. I went out in the country. I found a barren spot, easy to find out there, found a barren spot in the middle of the night. And I just had it out with God. I told him, I said, I went to Brazil. I've given up my time with my father. I've relocated south of the equator and I've asked you to heal my father and he's dying. Why aren't you? And and it was really me shaking my fists at the heavens as if God had to have me. And as if we had entered into this quid pro quo relationship with God. And that is the kind of relationship with God, the misperception that Jacob had, that I had that God uh, has to do what I say. That was a long answer to your question. But the promises in the Bible are not there so we can name them and claim them, so we can manipulate God. The promises are there to, to remind us of the character of God. It's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, please heal my father. But we got to follow up that request by quickly saying, but not my will, but thy will be done. Because he, he doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't know us anything. Jacob finally came to learn that, but boy, I've got a lot of Jacob in me, uh, <laughs> and I've got that scoundrel as well. <laughs> I think a lot of times we just want to say, well, like Jacob, you did this, you need to do this for me. And it's like, well, if I was saying that to my dad, my dad would be like, right? But yeah, if I said, kidding? hey, like Jacob, would you do this for me? Or yeah. I would appreciate, can you do this for me? Or can you do a similar thing? Can you work this? Or I'm willing to, will you help well, me? I think we get a different yeah. relationship with God, don't and, we? And the reason for that is how many people's faith has crashed like a ship against the rocks of reality Yeah, when they think God didn't do what God was supposed to do when God never said that from the get-go. So this is an important conversation. Because how many people right now say, I don't believe in God because he let my father die, or I don't believe in God because he didn't answer that prayer, or he didn't do what I asked him to do. And, and I get it. These are heartfelt. Nobody has ever loved their dad more than I. And I beg God to heal him. Now, my father, if he can hear me in heaven right now, is saying, oh, Max, I was healed. I just got healed on the other side of the grave. 
my father would say, yeah, those, my every prayer was answered, but in a far greater way. It's just that we try to negotiate with God. And friend, we're saved by God's grace. We're blessed by his love. And, and he doesn't owe us anything. You know, I can't even imagine the bold prayers that Esther and Mordecai were praying in the Old Testament of the Bible. We're talking with Max Lucado today at SWS Radio. As a brand new book, You Were Made for This Moment. It's actually out right now. And it talks about the story of Esther. And if you read through it, it's basically like a genocide is about to happen against the Hebrew people. There's a number two guy that works for the king, and he's not a fan of the Jewish people. And they're just kind of these pesky little remnant group of people that are in person. Persia and Persia's like running the world. It's like double the size of America. And, you know, the king's just kind of a pushover, just kind of manipulated by a lot of the people. He's like a typical character in all of these movies we watch, right? But Max, what have you learned about bold prayers when you look at what Esther and Mordecai had to be going through thinking, okay, do we need to step up here? How do we approach God when we're also approaching a human king? Like, whew, there's a lot we can learn. Well, I'm so glad you asked that question because when we think about Esther, we typically think about the moment of high drama, the turning point, the inflection point, as being when she appeared before King Xerxes, knowing that if he did not lower the scepter, she could lose her head. And that is a moment of high drama. But really, the moment, the turning point, is not when she appeared before King Xerxes, but when she appeared before the King of Kings. When Mordecai challenged her, to go and talk to Xerxes, and she finally, or she responded by saying, if I perish, I perish. She then called for all the Jewish people to enter into a period of prayer and fasting for three days. And she steps into this role of moral leader, a person of courage, a faith leader for her people. And that's really the significance, the turning point, I think, in the book of Esther, when she lays herself in front of God, begging for his help for three days and calls on all the children of Israel to do the very same thing. So it was a prayer of desperation, a prayer in which she was pleading for him. And of course, those prayers were answered. And by the time she does appear before King Xerxes, again, robed in splendor, she must have been a Hollywood head turner because he <laughs> lowered the scepter and, and invited her in. And we begin then to kind of turn the page in the story of Esther and see the strategy that God had laid on her heart for delivering her people. And that story is, oh my goodness, I hope you have some listeners who've never read and I can entice them to go to that nine chapter book in the Old Testament. You'll be amazed what happens when Esther responds in courage. Now, Max, have you ever come to a place in your life where you think like, I need to pray some things that kind of scare me. Like, I need to pray some bold prayers that if God actually answers this, it's going to make me severely uncomfortable. Well, you know, early on in my walk, maybe this was the same with yours, I would offer prayers of surrender somewhat fearfully. Lord, take my life. I can remember a retreat, a men's retreat I went on, and the speaker urged us. I was single at the time, and he said, give God even the idea of getting married. Just surrender it to him and say, Lord, if you don't want me to get married, I'll be at peace with that. And that scared me. Oh, how I wanted a wife, and I got a great one. But over the years, I have really come to learn that it's not a scary thing to surrender because God's heart is good. His affection for us is deep and endless. 
He means us well. He's not trying to trick us. He's not trying to lure us. It's not a bait and switch. And so now, as I've gotten a little bit older, if I can give an example, about three or four weeks ago, I was diagnosed with an aortic aneurysm. And it's kind of a scary thing. It's probably going to require a surgery, which my chest is cracked open. And it's risky. It's risky. In the first three or four days, I was undone. I was undone. Oh, yeah. I, I thought, oh, boy. Okay. My 66 years, that's, that's my dose of life right there. And I'm thankful, but I, I didn't want to leave so soon. So I was pretty upset. I was undone. I wasn't sleeping well. But then I did what we're talking about here, and I surrendered it. I did. I hope I'm not coming across here as super spiritual. It took me three or four days to get to the point where I could. But once I did, I said, okay, Lord, I would love to be healed. Prayer number one, I don't want to be an invalid. Please deliver me from a stroke where my wife has to take care of me. Prayer number two, I'd love for you just to heal this. But prayer number three, if it requires surgery, please use the surgery to extend my life. But then prayer number four, if it's my time, it's my time. And that was my prayer. It wasn't real fancy. It wasn't real ornate. I made that list in my journal. That's the reason it comes to mind. It was a prayer of surrender. And it really led me to a place of peace. Now, I've had no developments in terms of supernatural healings that I know of. I'm still undergoing a lot of tests, but I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid like I was. Boy, that's a long rambling answer to your question. No, that's a great answer because it's a real answer. It's like as you're fleshing through that, it's like the thought process that goes into it. It's like, yeah, of course, we're kind of going to freak out when we think like, okay, my physical body, I've done what I'm trying to do. And there's things that are outside of my control. But oh, there's a reality here that I've got to deal with. And then my family and there's ramifications there. And then my career and how that's and you can go in that and you can go into a dark space or you go back to the spot where you're like I've got to give this over to you Lord because you're the you only one that to. has you any control to. and it doesn't help when people hear about it and they say oh my uncle went out one day and leaned over and picked up his newspaper and never stood up because of this I mean you hear all these stories <laughs> yeah. I think our world needs a, a training course in what to say to somebody <laughs> <laughs> Well, there it is right there. There it is. is. No, it's fine. It's fine. But you know what? You got to, I love that prayer of surrender and he loves you. He does. He loves you. He loves me. He's going to take care of us. He really is. Well, we're talking with Max Lucado has a brand new book. It's called You Were Made for This Moment, Courage for Today and Hope for Tomorrow. Hey, thank you so much for sharing some of your wisdom with us today, Max. I don't have much to share but I'm, I'm honored to share what little I have. You do such a great job. You really do. Keep up the great work. Keep getting the good word. Out. Thanks for listening to the SOS Radio Podcast with Scott Harold. If this discussion encouraged you, feel free to share it with your friends on social media.